the fans weren't just cheering for him. They were chanting his name. MVP. They, that doesn't happen. MVP. MVP. Right? They're chanting. The, let, Daniel Jones was earning MVP chants. That tells you how how much he's balled out this season. To change the opinion of this fan base that was just totally done with him and were ready to run him out of town with pitchforks and flames, to see them chant MVP, that had to be one of the most rewarding things that that kid has ever experienced in his career. Daniel Jones has done himself plenty of favors this season. He's just balled out for the Giants. He's taking care of the football. He's a gamer. His teammates want to play for him. We'll be discussing Daniel Jones' future with the Giants and what his future contract with the Giants could now look like, given his recent play leading the team to the playoffs. We'll get to all of that and more here coming up next on the program as we continue to talk Giants into the 2023 calendar year. But of course, we do so this week with heavy hearts as we kind of cling to the latest reports on the condition and health of Bill's safety Damar Hamlin. With that being said, welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by Dan Benton, the managing editor of USA Today's Giants Wire. Dan, happy new year. How you doing, man? Yeah, happy new year. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's fun in Giants land again. We're back to where we were earlier in the season, seeing some improvement, seeing some wins, and we're headed to the playoffs for the first time since 2016. I mean, there's, there's plenty of reason for Giants fans to be excited. Uh, but as we'll touch on here in a second, there's also plenty of reason for the NFL world to be a little bit somber today. We are going to get to the Giants. We we do a Giants podcast. We're going to try to allow ourselves, Dan, to go forward with our normal agenda and talk Giants and talk about them clinching the playoffs. It's all good stuff for Giants fans, and we have thoughts on it here to come coming up. But you know, right off the top, we have to say that you know our thoughts have been with and continue to be with Demar Hamlin and his family, the Bills, the Bengals. That was horrifying on Monday night, right, Dan? I don't know how else to put it. It was just a horrifying thing. Uh, I mean, I've been watching football for as long as I remember. It's probably not even half as long as you have. And you just never see that, right? You never see something that dire play out on national TV. Somebody who's like life is hanging in the balance on national TV. The reaction of the players, the game getting stopped. It's just unprecedented what happened on Monday night. And I think as the days have gone on since then, we're all still trying to kind of get out of this fog and process it and really just clinging to updates on Hamlin's condition, right? Just continually, that, that's been my life. It's just like refreshing Twitter, refreshing Twitter, trying to get just the, that one update that, okay, he's in stable condition or now he's breathing on his own or whatever. Like I, I just keep doing that, hoping for that to come. And I was doing that on Monday night as well, just hoping he would move or give the thumbs up or we get positive news. And so far that that big positive news that we've been waiting for uh, has not come. And that's been that's made it really tough to focus on anything else other than this 24 year old player uh, that is obviously bigger than the game of football. Right. His his health, his life is bigger than the game of football. And uh, that's where we got to start. Right. Because never not to mention, there's a lot of former Buffalo Bills personnel and players on the Giants, right? Uh, including Brian Dayball, Joe Shane, uh, other players that I know you could tell us about. Like, there's a connection here between the Giants and the Bills, and this is this has just got to be heavy for the Giants organization and I think any football fan who was watching on Monday night. My thoughts and prayers continue to go out to him and his family, his friends. Um, like you, I just, I would desperately love to see a positive update that he's awake, um, he, he, he's with it, he, he's talking. Um, you know, I think that's what everybody's hoping for and clinging to that kind of hope right now. Um, I, I so desperately want Hamlin to wake up and see 
how the NFL world came together for him. Um, you know, his, his charity is going to be able to change lives now. Uh, you know, we're over $6.1 million as of this recording. Um, and I think that's just absolutely incredible, incredible testament to the kindness of, you know, of society, which is so rarely seen these days that I, I think that that cannot be spoken of highly enough. Um, you know, as far as, you know, the, you know, the NFL, like you said, it just, everything kind of feels secondary. It almost feels a little weird to, to talk football, to talk giants, to talk playoffs, to move on and, and, and act as if nothing happened. Obviously we have jobs to do, but, um, you know, in the back of our minds, as we move forward with this, obviously we're all going to be very focused in on Hamlin, his condition and, and, you know, the continued thoughts, the continued prayers, everybody wants a positive outcome here. Um, it certainly was an unprecedented event. I've been, you know, involved in the game of football for as long as I have memory uh, to varying degrees. I'm going into my 20th year next year covering the NFL. I've never seen, I've never seen anything like that before. I hope to never see anything like that again. Uh, you know, it, but people, you know, they tend to forget how violent a sport football really is. It's, it may be the, you know, the most loved sport in America and arguably even around the world these days. Uh, but these guys, you know, they risk their lives every single time they step on the field. And no matter how hard the NFL and the NFLPA work to make the game a safer sport, um, you know, there's it's essentially a car crash every single snap of the ball. And, you know, those guys kind of just throw their bodies to the wind and, and, and they put that out of their head and they go out there, compete, uh, you know, play the game that they love. And um, there's always that risk. And, and, you know, we've been lucky enough to have only ever seen that once before and not since the seventies. And, you know, like I said, hopefully we'll never see that again. And Hamlin will overcome. He'll wake back up. He'll be able to live a normal life and he'll be touched by the love and that he's received and that his family has received uh, since this incident. Yeah, it's well said. Uh, it just goes without saying Hamlin's health is more important than the football games that are coming up this weekend. Uh, but the NFL did put out a statement, Dan, saying that the games are going to be on as scheduled. Uh, and we do a Giants podcast, so I think what we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna like allow ourselves to like do our normal thing, talk about the Giants, talk about them making the playoffs, because it it seems like as we're speaking right now, football is going to continue, uh, probably this weekend. I'm not sure for the Bills, but uh, you know, for I think the the rest of the NFL, football is going to continue this weekend. So I think we're gonna try to. Al- I hope it doesn't come across as insensitive, right? And and all that, but I think we're going to try to allow ourselves to talk giants and then get back to refreshing Twitter and, and hoping for positive news on a Hamlin and, and continue to, like, as you said, pray for his recovery and all that. Right. I mean, I think that's kind of our, where our heads are at for this week's show. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I just, you know, if the NFL is going to move on, obviously then we've got to continue to move forward too. Uh, but like I said, and like you said, obviously, um, Throughout the entire process, no matter what we write, no matter what we talk about, no matter what we cover this weekend, uh, it's secondary to Hamlin's health and his well-being. And uh, more than anything else, I hope as early as today, hopefully, uh, we get that really positive update on him. And, um, you know, that'll make the rest of the week much easier. For sure. So we know the Giants are playoff bound, as you mentioned, Dan. Uh, They racked up 38 points against the Colts. 38 points. The Giants... Scored thirty eight points, Dan. Do you do you remember the last time the Giants scored more than thirty eight points at a game? I'm sure you know this. Oh goodness, it's been a while. I know it's been a while. It had been what forty, 
48, 49 games since they, they scored that. So, so yeah, it's, it's been a minute. So actually, according to my research, which, you know, is never exact. You know, when I get start doing research, you never know. Because uh, <laughs> it usually happens late at night. Uh, 2019, week 16 yep. against Washington. Washington. Yep. Daniel Jones yep. passed for five touchdown passes on the road. It was a 41-35 overtime win over Washington. Uh, but you have to fast forward through two painful uh, giant seasons and a couple coaching changes uh, to get to this point where they're they're back to scoring uh, you know a lot of points in a big game that could clinch the playoff berth and all that they they put up 38 on a you know a representative NFL defense in the Colts I thought that was uh that was kind of fun to see for Giants fans I thought Dan it was a, it was definitely a party at MetLife Oh, there's no doubt about it. MetLife was absolutely insane. Um, that's probably the loudest it's been since maybe ever, ever. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe since their first playoff game against the Falcons in MetLife Stadium. Uh, but yeah, it was it was just bonkers. And did you know, deservedly so. The Giants, you know, we've you've heard me say it a million times that they often will play down to the level of their competition or up to their level of competition. They went into this game and it didn't matter who they were playing. They needed to punch their ticket and they did it emphatically. That's something that we haven't seen from the Giants in a long, long time. Uh, they're not really known as a team that's going to go in there and just absolutely decimate a team in the biggest game. Uh, they tend to keep things close. Obviously, that's been their identity all season long. Uh, but Daniel Jones and company were not having that on Sunday. They were leaving nothing up to chance whatsoever. Uh, they they had pedal to the metal from the moment that game kicked off until the moment it concluded. And they were not slowing down. They went right for the throat. Um yeah, it was a it was a statement win. It was a franchise changing win, um, and you know I know a lot of people will want to dismiss that and be like, "Oh, it's the Colts. Oh, it's the Colts." Listen, the Colts had a top eleven defense going into that game. Yeah, they may be bad offensively, but they have a good defense, and it's the NFL, man. Like any team can win on any given Sunday. That's that's not just a a throwaway line. That's very legitimately how it is in the NFL. The difference between wins and losses are inches. Their plays, their seconds, and no matter how bad a team is, it's still one of the best athletic groups on the entire planet. So to see the Giants go in and just absolutely decimate a team like that, yeah, I absolutely think that that was a much needed, not just victory for the Giants, but a much needed statement for the franchise, for the fans, uh, you know, for the entire group of players who have been struggling so much in recent years with bad teams, bad coaches. Uh, it was, it was, it was really, it was, a, it was a legitimate statement victory for this franchise and, and something that even if they don't win a playoff game, will be looked back on in a few years and say, that's when everything really started to clear. Yeah, I think that's well put. It they were, it was like an alpha kind of win, right? We haven't seen the Giants go out there and be the alpha team that does. Yeah. Okay. It's Nick Foles. It's a Colts team that's playing out the string. We haven't seen the Giants go and just say, we're going to pummel you then. Like we see mm -hmm. other, you know, the Chiefs and other great teams throughout the years do time and time again, just beating up on the opponents they should beat up on. The Giants don't usually do that. <laughs> they usually, as you say, Dan, play down to that level of competition. But uh, they were the alphas. Uh, they dominated this football game. Now Giants fans get to see their team play uh, a playoff game for the first time in six years. That's that's excellent. I mean, I think it was expected back when the Giants were seven and two. Uh, I mean, it was almost a guarantee at that point, as we said at the time, Dan, uh, given the giant schedule and everything down the stretch. But, you know, it was it got a little hairy. got a little hairy. <laughs> so I think it's something we're celebrating. Right. I mean, I think Giants fans should be celebrating. I mean, this was supposed to be a rebuilding year, wasn't it? Is Joe Shane. Yeah. You know, he's his first year as the GM. 
he's got like key players like uh, DJ and Saquon under the microscope. They still were kind of evaluating what are they what they wanted to do with those players. I think now we're trending toward a 2023 offseason that will will be all about like keeping DJ, keeping Saquon and like building around those guys, right, Dan? I mean, I think that's that's my big question as we head into the postseason is like just how much has the cost gone up on Daniel Jones, right? Like in the business of the NFL, especially at the quarterback position, right? The longer you wait to play a player, to pay a player, I'm sorry, uh, that is balling out, that price tag is going to uh, rise. And uh, the Giants, they decided to play out the string with Daniel Jones. It was probably the right decision. We weren't heckling the team for that decision uh, back you know, in the offseason. But there might not be a player in football who has earned himself more coin over the past 17 weeks than Daniel Jones has there. Oh, I, I would love to hear an argument for anybody other than Daniel Jones when it comes to that. Uh, listen, you know, we said at the time, the decision to decline the fifth-year option was the right decision. Uh, it was a new staff, a new coach, new GM, new systems yet again. Jones obviously went, you know, he, he listen, he played well in his rookie season. Obviously, the turnover issues were a problem, but he played well. You kind of got a sense of who he could be. But then in the two subsequent years, things just completely fell apart. The wheels completely fell off. And although he did decrease his turnover numbers in each of those seasons, the overall production, the overall consistency wasn't there. He was struggling in a lot of different areas. Um, you know, his pocket presence wasn't particularly impressive. Uh, his footwork wasn't particularly impressive. You know, there was some bad decisions that were being made. And, and some of that even reared its ugly head earlier this season, not to the extent that it had in the two previous seasons, but you sort of saw some of those same issues cropping back up again. And it left people to wonder, you know, is this kid really, you know, is he the long-term answer here? So at the time, yeah, I agreed with Shane's decision to decline the fifth year option for obvious reasons, but we spoke about this earlier in the year and we thought, you know, Daniel Jones is playing better. There are still some flaws, you know, maybe you can get him on the cheap. Let me tell you, that's not going to happen now. He has earned himself arguably a massive contract, and I know there are people out there that are going to scoff at that, and you can scoff all day long because it doesn't matter you're wrong. Um, you know, he has earned himself a big contract, and the hope now is that he doesn't want to uproot his family, he doesn't want to uproot himself, and he doesn't want to go out and chase that big number, and maybe he gives the Giants some bit of a, a hometown discount, but you better believe that Shannon Company are going to be offering him a large multi-year deal, and he has absolutely earned it. No, 100%. So back in probably October, we were talking about, ooh, should they just, should they start negotiating with uh, Daniel Jones's camp now and get him on, the, what, what were we saying, Dan, like 10 to 15 million a year or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so it's laughable when you think about <laughs> yeah. it now, but yeah. Yeah, the price has gone up if you, um, if you trust Spotrack, uh, who tracks this stuff, the contracts and market value, their market value for Jones, 25 and a half million per season. Uh, yeah. the, so that's up. 10, 15 million in average, average annual value since October, Dan. So it's, it's definitely gone up. I mean, here's what we're talking about here. If, if the Giants want to lock up DJ long-term, he's 25. So, I, I mean, I, I see sometimes on social media people kicking around like a three-year kind of offer. But if they want to kick it up to like six years in the neighborhood of like 125, 130 million with around 100 million guaranteed base salary of like, 20 to 21 million a year. I mean, this is what we're talking about with Daniel Jones right now. Now, I know fans might scoff at that, but this is what we're talking about. And like, I know to the continued dismay of, of, of that continued of Giants fan that is rooting for DJ to fail and they don't like him and want a different quarterback, even though the guy's proven to be uh, a baller and a gamer and a winner and a player all the Giants and his teammates want to play for. 
and they continue to you know back that up with all their comments about him. If you just look at QBR, Dan, which takes into account like QB rating and rushing and all that, the QBR uh, stat, I he's, was, he's top I 10. I was going to bring this up. Top yep, 10. I was going to bring that up. Top 10. So I think when you when you you look at the jump he's made with Dayball, uh, the fact that he's kind of proven himself to be a winner, the fact that he is basically he has basically addressed his one major flaw. Like the big thing that we all talked about with Daniel Jones coming through is that all the turnovers, the fumbles, the interceptions. And the interceptions um, have been amazing this year, right? In 16 games, Daniel Jones has thrown five interceptions. (laughs) Five. Now, maybe his passing attempts are incredible. It it is. Now, maybe he hasn't thrown as many passes as others, but yeah, it's it's an amazing number. No other quarterback, Dan, who has played every game this season, all 16, uh, um, has thrown less interceptions than Daniel Jones. And that is a credit to him. Listen, let's just be real about it. He's doing this with a less than stellar supporting cast. And I know people want to say, oh, it's Saquon Barkley that that's carrying this team the whole way. Let's, let's be real. Saquon Barkley has not been particularly wonderful in the second half of this season. And on Sunday against the Colts, it wasn't Saquon Barkley that carried the team to victory. It was Daniel Jones. He would not be denied. He was going to punch that ticket to the playoffs, and he was going to show the world that he's a playoff caliber quarterback. And there, there was no stopping him in that in, in those moments. And you've seen it in recent weeks. It's the Giants have gone from a run first, run heavy team to realizing, hey, we can let this kid, even with his less than stellar wide receivers and tight ends, throw the ball and run the show. We can we can ride Daniel Jones, not necessarily Saquon Barkley to victory. And that's not a knock on Saquon. He absolutely should be comeback player of the year, in my opinion. Uh, Nick Gates also deserves some consideration um, in that regard. But, you know, the Giants aren't where they are right now without Daniel Jones. And I know there are so many people that just don't want to hear that reality. But if you take Daniel Jones off of these Giants, they are not a nine-win playoff team. That's just a matter of fact. And then, you know, mentioning you know, Jones is supporting cast. How, let's say how many of those players that are around him would be starters on another team, like the chiefs, the bills, the Eagles, none of them, zero of them. Um, with the exception of maybe Andrew Thomas, you know, and, and maybe Saquon Barkley, but as far as the wide receivers, as far as the rest of the offensive line, the tight ends, uh, you know, any of the reserves they're, they're deep down, you know, the roster on a lot of these teams, Daniel Jones has elevated the play of those around him astronomically in comparison to what they have produced throughout their career, what they were expected to produce, and even what they were producing earlier in the season. He's making this happen with guys like Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins, who was on a practice squad and and waved off that practice squad, um, you know, basically coming in off the street. And he's turned these guys not necessarily into superstars, but very productive, consistent talent, you know, uh, producers. And, Listen, I'll give Hodgins all the credit in the world. I think he's a terrific route runner. He's really come in, uh, you know, guns blazing, and I hope the Giants lock him up long-term. Honestly, I don't think he's a wide receiver one by any stretch of the imagination, but he, he's a very functional, capable, and consistent wide receiver who should stick around. But, you know, that's an outlier. Daniel Jones has done this with lacking talent and an offensive line that has allowed him to be sacked, what, the fourth most times um, in the NFL. So, you know, I, I think that Daniel Jones, like I said earlier, has more than warranted a long-term contract extension and not just proven himself to be the franchise quarterback, but one of the league's top 10 quarterbacks. And I still think he's only got to get better from here. This season, it's hard to argue that. Now, people will, but it's hard to argue that. Uh, sorry, Dan Orlovsky, right now, but it's hard. It, you know, the numbers <laughs> actually tell you 
he's a top 10 quarterback this year and his team is going to the playoffs. So uh, just let's play with that one more time, Dan. So let's just hypothetically the Giants put that offer on the table to Daniel Jones. Six years, $125 million with a base salary. And I'm not sure about the guaranteed money. Throw a number up there. Around $100 million guaranteed. 20 to 21 million in base salary. And that's the contract that Jones gets here at, at age 25. So that would keep him with the Giants through, through you know, into his 30s. Uh, what would be the reaction of the fan base? Would it be split 50 50? Would more fans be against that kind of deal for Jones? Like, what, what's your gut tell you? Honestly, to the credit of many, and when I say many, I mean many, uh, they've come around towards the end of the season and we're like, you know what? I got it wrong. We were wrong. You know, you saw it. You saw it when he got the curtain call on Sunday. The fans weren't just cheering for him. They were chanting his name. MVP. 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 They're chanting. Daniel Jones was earning MVP chants. That tells you how how much he's balled out this season. To change the opinion of this fan base that was just totally done with him and were ready to run him out of town with pitchforks and flames – to see them chant MVP, that had to be one of the most rewarding things that that kid has ever experienced in his career, probably in his life. And it was, you know, like I said previously, and I, and I, I sound like a broken record, but it was completely warranted. So do I think that, you know, everyone would be happy? Obviously not. There are people that are dug in and they're never going to acknowledge the fact that Daniel Jones is a tremendous athlete, a good quarterback. They just can't do it. Uh, we live in a society where, you know, entirely too many people you know, will express an opinion and then just can't admit they're wrong. It's it's uh, an identity of sorts for them. And I've had conversations with Daniel Jones haters this week that will still argue to this day that, you know, he's his weakness is he throws too many interceptions. I literally had one tell me that. Um, it's just a logical hate at this point. Um, so I do think that, you know, 75, 80%, maybe even more of the fan base at this point would be like, you know, accepting, not just accepting of that, but encouraged by it. Yeah. I think, you know, they feel like he deserves a long-term contract, but there is going to be a small minority of very loud, very angry people um, who, who just desperately want Daniel Jones to fail. They want the giants to fail because of Daniel Jones. And they're not afraid to admit that. It's just so frustrating that the quarterback's playing well and the team's going to the playoffs, Dan. It's just so frustrating. You know, I don't know. I don't know how fans could do that. But it's anyway. it's illogical. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's completely and totally illogical. And I, and listen, I'll tell you, I want to fit this in, and maybe this isn't necessarily the best segue to fit it in because it doesn't really fit in with what we're talking about. But when you look at the strides that Daniel Jones has made, throw everything else out the window. Watch him manipulate the pocket. Watch him keep his eyes down the field. Watch him throw his receivers open. That is elite level quarterbacking. That's elite level quarterbacking. There's no other way around it. He's turned what was his weakness, his pocket manipulation and turnovers, and turned them into his strengths. That's what great quarterbacks do, and that's what gives me the hope that this kid is only just getting started. Yeah, he's made he's made a jump similar to the player everyone kind of has pegged for the MVP, and that's Jalen right. Hurts. They we, both we, have we, made that, this jump. Yeah, that we didn't want to right that we didn't want to talk about, and we thought, oh, those comparisons, you know, are unrealistic. And I know where you're going with this, but you're absolutely correct. Yeah, you know, it's just uh, he's made a jump similar to Jalen Hurts. Now, will we see both of these guys on the field together this week? I'm not sure, but when you put their stats side by side, Dan, uh, the stats are very similar, aside from Jalen Hurts just being freaking amazing at punching the football in the end zone with his yeah, legs. Yeah. He is just, he's got a nose for the goal line. And when you get him on the one yard line, they could tell the defense that the QB sneak is coming and you can't stop it. 
Um, now, I do think the NFL might have to step in and say you can't push the quarterback anymore because <laughs> that that's kind of like become a thing in the NFL. Like, let's line up behind yeah. the QB and push him. They, I think they're. Yeah, I think they, the, they used to throw penalties for that. Yeah, the time. competition committee might get that out of the game because it's gotten a little ridiculous with this, like these formations, like whatever the uh, the diamond, the diamond dog QB sneaker, whatever the hell the Eagles do with that thing. Uh, but man, uh, take out the rushing touchdowns from Jalen Hurts and his stats. He's played two less games, but. His stats with Daniel Jones, when you consider the supporting casts, not that different, not that far off, really. Uh, but it would be fun to see those two going uh, head-to-head this weekend, if it happens. And we'll, we'll get to that yeah. here in a minute. Um, but I did want to segue into Kayvon Thibodeau, Dan, real quick, because uh, that's been a big hot-button topic. Uh, we're talking snow angels here. Snow angels. Was that a trash play, as Jeff Saturday said uh, in his presser this week? Dan, or is this all just a big misunderstanding in your opinion? It's sort of a difficult situation. Let me just start off by saying the hit was clean. The hit itself wasn't dirty. The hit itself wasn't trash. It was a good play. It's unfortunate that Foles landed on the football the way that he did. I, you know, watching it from my perspective, from our perspective, it was easy to see that he was very severely injured. Uh, There was no doubt about that. Uh, The Snow Angel thing, the celebration itself didn't even make any sense because there's no snow on the ground. Uh, but besides that, you yes. know, it Kayvon did let it linger a little bit too long. I thought I kind of cringed, admittedly. Um, definitely I don't did. Definitely too long. That was like an eight second snow angel with no snow yeah, on the ground. It was, like, what are you it doing? It was way too, way too long of a celebration. And, you know, I understand that the optics were really horrible that he was doing that next to folks who was writhing in pain. But th- this is where there's disconnect between fans that have never played football and, and people that have played football. When you're laying on the turf and you have a helmet on and you're looking straight up like that, you can't see off to your sides. He, he couldn't see that Nick Foles was injured there. And that's assuming that he even had his eyes open. He probably didn't even have his eyes open. Uh, I do understand that the optics are bad. The, um, the sleeping emotion, you know, that's the sleeping gesture he did on the sideline. That came in way too late for you know for me. I don't think it was directed at Foles for Foles being knocked out of the game. I think it was an homage to Steph Curry, who he's a huge fan of, and you know that's Steph Curry's you know celebration. He, that's what he does all the time. I don't, I don't think he should have done it at that point because he realized that Foles was hurt. I don't think any of it was malicious in intent though. Uh, I don't think he was trying to you know basically step over an injured player or insult an injured player or celebrate an injured player. I don't think any of that. Kayvon is not that guy. After the after the game, he obviously sent his well wishes to Nick Foles. I do understand why there's so much level of frustration in it, though. The optics were terrible. Um, and Jeff Saturday has every reason to be mad at his offensive line. He should be. Those guys should have stood up for their quarterback. If that had been Daniel Jones, the Giants offensive line probably would have been penalized and, and subsequently fined for their reaction to that situation. So if he's got anybody to be mad at, it should be his own players. Uh, but no, I don't think Kayvon is trash. I don't think he's tasteless. I think the optics were bad. And I do think that he should reach out to Foles, uh, maybe express an apology, wish him well, just clear the air. I think that would be the appropriate thing to do. Yeah, I kind of agree with everything you said. I think the story has been a little bit overblown. I uh, believe Kayvon Thibodeau when he says, I didn't know Foles was hurt uh, or didn't know he was that hurt or, uh, and, you know, I wasn't trying to uh, show him up by doing a, a signal on the sideline when I, you know, did the put the sleep thing and Steph Curry and all those. I, I believe all that. And, and, you know, I tend to give players a little bit of rope anyway in the, in the heat of competition. Uh, things happen on the field that sometimes don't look great. 
and you just kind of have to give them a little rope. And then I, I look to see how they respond after the fact. I think that's the only spot here that I'm a little disappointed in cave on is that as you're saying, Dan, he could have showed a little bit more remorse. Like obviously he did say he sent his well wishes to Nick Foles, but he basically said, you know, I, I didn't know he was hurt. I was too busy doing a snow angel. <laughs> That's basically what he said. It's like, oh, Kayvon, come on, man. Just show a little bit more remorse. Be a little bit more of a, a, a leader. And I think, you know, he could learn from that. I mean, the Giants can, can probably coach this whole thing up a little bit more. Now, this might not be a popular thing. I don't even know if you agree with me on this, this point, but I've, I keep watching the highlight of this. And I don't think it was a dirty hit. I think it was a clean hit. But I think Kayvon did kind of land on him with his body weight which could have been a flag. So in a big situation, if we're in a playoff game, Dan, and you land on the quarterback like that, kind of drive him into the ground, uh, you could get flagged for that. That could be a flag, and now you're taking a big play, a sack. That could be a game-changing play for your defense, flipping it around with a 15-yard penalty. That could happen. So I think while it was borderline and it wasn't flagged, I thought it was close enough. Like, he kind of landed on the quarterback, could have been flagged. So the Giants can coach that up better. Kayvon could be better in that regard. And uh, one more thing, Dan, uh, have, could have been called for taunting, right? Because he was snow angeling right next to Foles. Yeah, I'm actually surprised. Yeah. I'm actually surprised yeah. he wasn't. So he could have got flagged for he could have got a flag. He didn't, but he could have got a flag. And like a young player like Kayvon, face of the franchise type guy, he should be able to learn from this a little bit and be like, I I, I could be better. I could be better in those situations. Maybe not yeah. snow angel for eight seconds. Right. And risk getting a flag. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I do have a counterpoint. Like, I, I completely understand what you're saying, and, and the argument is valid because the referees and what they throw on these roughing the passers are basically up to interpretation of the individual official this year. There's there's no consistency with what's called. But the counterpoint that I'll make comes from the very same game. Um, there was a point in the game where Jalen Smith got to the quarterback, had him wrapped up, and it, rather than drilling him into the ground and potentially, you know, drawing a penalty, he let him go. And the referees let the play continue and the yep. Colts gained yards. Definitely. Yep. So, you know, when you it's 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 a tricky thing to coach because in both of those situations, yes, Kayvon could have been flagged and, and given up a first down, hurt the Giants in that situation. He could have also pulled off like Jalen Smith did, and then the Colts go on and and you know gain the first down anyway and potentially score points there. So it's a really fine line that the Giants have to walk there. And and we saw the extreme ends of both of those things in this particular game. So, you know, it is tricky. And, and you know, this is something the NFL is going to have to work on uh, this offseason. They need to get more consistent with, with what is roughing the passer, what isn't roughing the passer, because you're right, that could have been called in that particular instance. But they also should have ruled the quarterback down when Jalen Smith had them wrapped up to avoid that exact situation. So, you know, there, there's way too much happening in between those two scenarios that leave this open to interpretation. And it's very difficult on the players to know what's right, what's wrong. Um, you know, so that's something the NFL definitely needs to clean up, but something the Giants will undoubtedly both use both of those examples uh, when they're talking to their players this week. For sure. It's a fair point. Like your your reaction is to rip on Jalen Smith for not getting the quarterback to the ground, right? He should have got a sack there, but then you can't rip cave on for actually finishing off the sack. So I get what you're saying there, Dan. It, it is. It's like kind of playing both sides of it. But when I just focus in on the cave on play, I know I don't, again, I don't think it was dirty. I think it was clean. I just think he, he kind of landed on the quarterback a little bit and that, you know, depending on the crew, that flag might come out and can the giants coach that up better? I mean, maybe, maybe you can, hit the quarterback in a way where you don't land on him. I don't know. I, I'm, I, I'm just, it's just a talking point really. The but. problem, I think one of the problems with that is, is that's when you start teaching players to go against 
everything else you've taught them. Because in the, the only way to avoid that body weight slam in that situation is to loosen your arms, not wrap up and maybe spin to the side. And that gives Foles in that particular you know, instance an opportunity to, you know, throw the ball underneath to a check down, maybe just, you know, toss it out of bounds to, you know, to the yard mark or whatever the case may be. And suddenly you, you lose that sack and the yards lost there too. So, you know, it's, it's really tricky because I thought it was a clean hit. I understand what you're saying. And the argument certainly could be made because we've seen it called in games this season uh, in, in game changing moments. We've seen it called this season. So it is really tricky. And I really place that more on the feet of the NFL. I don't think the giants are going to go to Kayvon and be like, don't do that. You know, you're, you're objective from the moment you start playing football, you're taught to wrap up and drive. And that's just the way that it is. If you let those arms loose, if you let that, you know, quarterback, you hit, get his throwing hand loose, you run the risk of potentially losing that sack and you may still get an incomplete pass or something like that. Um, but sacks are, are game changing, you know? Um, so I, I, if I'm the giants, I don't go back to table, cave on and say, don't do that. Find a way to not put so much pressure on him. I think you, you take the chance and, and hope the refs realize that it's not a dirty or malicious hit. Yeah. I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's definitely not consistent enough on the NFL side. I mean, sometimes you graze the quarterback's face mask on accident and it's a flag. You breathe on Tom Brady. It's a flag. Uh, but you know, you, and then other times it's not. It's just like there's no there's no consistency with it. It's it's totally valid. I just thought Kayvon could have got flagged. Could have got flagged for taunting. Could have got flagged for body weight. Uh, and I just hope he learns from it. And yeah. instead of after the game saying, well, you know, I, I couldn't really see Nick Foles because I was too busy celebrating my sack. Uh, maybe he says next time. I got a little carried away in that moment, got a little excited, did not know he was hurt. I hope he's okay. I'm going to reach out to him. You know, I, I, just, I, don't, I don't know. think anybody denies that. There was, there was no need for an eight, <laughs> yeah. nine second no. snow angel. Cave on. It was too long of a snow angel. It was too long of a snow angel. Let's, let's all agree on that. But again, I don't. I, I, I think, yeah, the optics were extra bad too because yeah. it wasn't just that Foles was hurt. It almost looked like he was convulsing at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, thankfully that wasn't the case, but he was obviously severely injured. And, um, you know, I, they ruled him out with a quote unquote rib injury. I've got to assume that he had, he suffered a couple of broken ribs in that, on that play. Um, but yeah, it, it's just, it's, it, you know, the optics of it were terrible. There's no, there's no other way around it. No matter what you think of Kayvon, the hit, the celebration, the optics of it were really, really bad. And considering what happened on Monday night, maybe we want to see a little bit less of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just maybe a little bit more remorse and, and, and how he addresses it after he sees the optics himself on, maybe he pulls up, social media dan and he sees what it looked like he's like oh you know that was not my intention at all let me address this uh maybe he's done that behind the scenes i don't know but yeah i, I hope that he has i hope that he has yeah same here that that's our take on cave but we don't think he's a bad person and we don't think he was trying to be malicious and we don't think the hit was dirty and we all agree on that so uh but we'd like to see a little bit more remorse but he's a young player and maybe we'll see that uh going forward i mean we're talking about again maybe the, the future face of the franchise dan right cave thibodeau he could be that kind of talent. Um, so so that's the Kayvon Thibodeau piece. And now let's get to the game this week, Dan. Uh, Giants locked into the number six seed. Meaning, well, is there an incentive to play DJ, Andrew, Thomas, Saquon, Barkley, Dexter, Lawrence, etc.? All four quarters? No. You know, what do you no. think? Nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Uh, that was quick. I, I listen. <laughs> yeah, I listen, I... I I thought at the second after the Colts game, I'm like, there's no point. Don't don't play your starters. I'm not talking about tanking. You know, it's not one of those Philadelphia Eagles things where they're deliberately going to go in and, and throw a game away or anything like that. The bottom line is the Giants have nothing to gain. They they can't 
worsen or better their situation here. What they can do is allow their players a little bit of a break, um, you know, a little bit of a pseudo bye week maybe uh, to get healthy because that's been the issue for this team all season is, you know, that they've been injured. They're nicked up. Like you've got Leonard Williams who's playing through a severe injury. you got Daniel Jones who's a little banged up. You've got Saquon. Listen, everybody on the team is a little banged up at this point. So I, I think it would be smart and, and in the best interest of the players to, you know, sit them on the side, give them an extra week to get healthy, and then go in and, and legitimately try and win a playoff game. And if you're playing a team like Minnesota, which is where they're currently slated to play, um, you know you can compete in that game. It gives the Giants an opportunity to actually go in and win a playoff game, which is not something that anybody would have imagined in their wildest dreams. Um, so I, I think that would be the best approach. They've got a lot of guys dealing with a lot of different things. Uh, give yourself the best chance to win the most important game, not go in and try and compete against a team where you have nothing to gain by winning. And I think more than just from the health perspective, Listen, the Giants are coming off a game where they absolutely manhandled another NFL team. They dominated in all three phases of the game, especially on the offensive side of the ball, which, you know, we talked about earlier was the, you know, most explosive offensive production we've seen since 2019. Don't go into a game against the Eagles who have to win when you don't have to win and you don't have the motivation that you would otherwise have to go in and win that game on the road and get annihilated. Or even if you're even even if you're just slightly beat, you know, then you're coming off. All these starters are coming off a negative feeling instead of a positive feeling going into the playoffs. So it's not just it's not just about health for me. It's about the mentality of where this team is, the confidence that those starters have right now after what they did against the Colts. I wouldn't risk either of those things in a game that doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. To that point, it's two teams in, in completely different situations because while the Giants are locked in, Dan, the Eagles. Well, they haven't played Jalen Hurts in the last two weeks. They're trying to get him healthy for the playoffs. He's got a shoulder injury, but they also need to lock up home field advantage. They need this game. So it sounds like Jalen Hurts is, is pushing the play this week and the full Eagles engine will be coming at the Giants mm-hmm. no matter what they do. Right. So right. Uh, two teams in very different situations. And I think that's why the line in this game, the spread is 13 and a half. <laughs> So yeah. 13 and a half. I, I, yeah. <laughs> Vegas has got to assume that the Giants aren't going to. And yeah. even if they do start some of their starters, you got to treat it like a preseason game. You can't leave those guys in there for four quarters. And I know people, everybody wants it to compare to, you know, the 2007 game, uh, the final week of the season against the New England Patriots. This isn't that team. That's not the same situation. That team was going for 16 and 0, and the Giants were trying to buck them off of that record pace. Um, In this particular instance, there's not that kind of, you know, you know, there's not anything like that that's on the line here. It's not to that level of magnitude uh, in terms of what it is you're trying to prevent. The only thing that the Giants would do by going in and competing, and even if they won this game, is essentially handing Dallas um, the NFC East crown. And, and there's no real advantage. Um, <laughs> yeah, you hate both whatsoever. of those teams, Dallas so, and the Eagles. You hate them both. Right. Yeah, so who cares? Like it's it's not it's not of the same consequence that that game was. If the Giants went in and competed well and lost, or or even if they competed well and won, it's not gonna it's not gonna puff their chest up quite like it did for those Giants back in two thousand and seven. They're already feeling that. They already feel that off of the Colts game. And if they go into a game against the Vikings, I think that would be the best recipe for them because they came out of that game where they lost on a record-breaking, you know, field goal in the final seconds, thinking, 
we connect, we can not only compete with this team, we can beat this team. So I don't think there's any reason to risk that kind of emotion, that kind of mentality or the health that I mentioned previously um, in this game that just doesn't have the same consequence that that 2007 uh, game against the Patriots did. I'm with you. Give me the Vikings, Dan. I've been saying for the last few right. weeks that they're gonna they're gonna lose at home in the first round. <laughs> I, I I feel like they're just they just it's look a, like a listen, team that's it's gonna a lose. Very winnable game for yes. the Giants, and it's probably it the only game in the NFC playoffs that is winnable for this team. I know we're all riding really high on the Giants right now, but let's just be honest: their roster is still a long way away from competing with some of these teams. But I'll tell you what: they can beat the Vikings, and they can do it in Minnesota. So if that's how things shake out, you want them coming off the emotion of that Colts game, not whatever the emotion is coming off the Eagles game as they go into a you know into into Minnesota, knowing that they already were there, and then now they're going into this game that much healthier and that much more confident. So I think that's why the Giants should rest their starters in this game, uh, carry that all over because you, you know you, they played well in the last several weeks. They nearly beat the Vikings. They dominated the Colts. They're riding high, get them healthy, get a Dory Jackson back, and then go into Minnesota against a team you know you can compete with and throw your best, healthiest talent at it and see what happens. Yeah, the Minnesota Vikings are a 12-4 football team that have a point differential of negative 19. How is that possible, Dan? How can you go 12-4 and and have a negative 19 point differential? It's amazing. It's, so it's crazy. It, it is. is crazy. And you know, and a lot of their games were close too. You know, I yeah. granted oh, yeah. they've got an explosive offense. They do. There's no doubt about that. But their defense can't stop anybody. No. And listen, the way the Giants are playing right now, the way Daniel Jones is playing right now, I, I would feel really, really confident in the Giants going into that game in comparison to any other NFC playoff team that there is. Yeah. I, I can't wait to talk playoffs. Uh in that matchup, I guess we got to we got to pump the brakes, Dan. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves, right? That's a week away. <laughs> we'll be talking playoffs here coming up. Uh, I will give you the opportunity to pass on on picking this spread because, it, as you said, it could be handled like a preseason game. So people that are actually out there placing wagers on games and following the great Danton all season long, which has been profitable, folks, as you know, uh, <laughs> this game is the line is thirteen and a half. Not because the Eagles are two touchdown favorites against the Giants, but because people sports betting, the sports betting markets believe the Giants are resting their starters for at least part of this yeah. game. And the Eagles need it. And that's why that line is so big. So I I don't know if like serious sports bettors even want to come and and play this game. It's just hard I to would, understand. Yeah, I'd stay I away. Stay away. I, this is a dangerous game. It really is. I, I think, listen, even if the Giants play their backups, it's not like Tyrod Taylor is this terrible, unfunctioning quarterback. He's still very capable Agreed. Of, of playing well. And of, obviously, if he gets the nod, he's going to want to go out there because it's going to be the only film he's basically got all season. He's had another, you know, a couple other spot incidents, you know, where he went on the field and, and either clean up duty or whatever it may be. But, you know, if he gets the opportunity, he's going to go out there and want to sling it too. And that makes the game completely unpredictable. So if you're a better, I would absolutely stay away from this. And if I was forced to make a decision on this, just based on what I assume is going to happen, I wouldn't feel comfortable with it. I'd probably take Philly on the points, but you have no, there's no way to, to accurately or even confidently uh, make a prediction on this game because it could go any number of different ways. Yeah, it could get, it could get weird. The Eagles could get up big. Maybe they rest their starters in the fourth quarter and the Giants, you know, yeah. backdoor cover type deal. It, it just right. it's a weird one. I would stay away from it, too. I do like to place the wagers, Dan, uh, especially on the Giants, whatever you tell me to yeah. do. Uh, 
I think it was like when I went to Vegas for the Patriots game a few weeks ago, I think that was one of the only ones I got right was betting the Giants because you told me to. Uh, so <laughs> I, I think I got every other pick wrong I did at the sports book, but that one I got right. Um, but yeah, so I, I would stay away. But if, if you have to do it, if you're just, you know, you can't help yourself, you have to put a betting unit on it. I would probably do the Eagles as well, uh, just because they just have more to play for and they need this game. And yeah. if anyone's incentivized to pile it on, it'll be the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm probably not betting this one either, Dan. Yeah, I, I wouldn't touch this one. I would yep. just, if you were going to bet money, listen, the mega million is almost a billion dollars. Throw your money in that direction. <laughs> yeah, it's a better bet. It's a better <laughs> bet. Yeah. Uh, longer odds, but a better bet. Uh, so, so there that is. Uh, and, and I know, you know, you're, you're going to be getting ready to, to check out Brian Dayball's presser here coming up, Dan, as, as we, as we speak, and I'm sure it's going to be emotional for Dayball and, and, you know, talking about Tamar Hamlin and I think that's where that's where my brain is already automatically it was a nice little reprieve here talking Giants with you but uh, I gotta go check out the latest on Tamar Hamlin I'm sure Brian Dayball is gonna be, I'm interested to see what he's gonna have to say because I'm, I'm sure we always know Dayball wears his heart on his sleeve right and I'm, I'm yep. sure it's gonna be an emotional presser for him because he knows this kid he was with Buffalo for for a few years so there's a, there's a lot of Giants there are a lot of Giants who have you know, connections to, to Hamlin. Uh, and that goes from the executive staff to the coaching staff to the players themselves. There are guys, Nick McLeod, for example, on the Giants who shared meeting rooms with with Hamlin. So there are guys that are, are close to him. And I, I'm sure that it's going to be a very emotional day for all of these players. I would expect that all of them, whether it be, you know, John Feliciano, Antonio Williams, Hodgins, Breda, Davis Webb, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I would expect that they're all going to be available to the media today. and. You know, I expect to see some emotion out of these guys, and, and it's understandable as, as to why. Um, but the good news is, was while we were recording this, there was some positive updates uh, on Give it Demar to me. Hamlin. Give it so to me. let's just hope and pray that it continues to go in that direction. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go check that out myself. Uh, in the meantime, folks can jump on Giants Wire and uh, get that reaction from guys like Dayball, Joe Shane, Isaiah Hodgins, Matt Breida. I mean, all these these former bills that are on the giants as, as Dan, as you said, there's a lot of them. Uh, and you know, all we can do is hope for positive news with, uh, with Hamlin and then hope that we can get back to some type of normalcy and, and get back to loving football, you know, enjoying football games again, uh, this weekend. And that's, that's where we're at. So for Dan Benton, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We appreciate you for jumping on the podcast this week. And we'll talk to you next week when we, Dan, we'll be talking playoffs next week. Can you believe that? Let's go. It's going to be fun. It's crazy. That's that's mighty change for what was supposed <laughs> to be a three-win team. So it'll be fun next week. Let's go, man. Can't wait to talk playoffs next week. We will catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.